Didn't you love that video? Oh my goodness, yes, you can clap. So inspiring. There's so many things about that. I could probably end and just pray for you a week go home because for me, it was just, uh, I've watched it so many times. I think I want to glean from it all these things. So I just want to bring to mind some of the things that may have triggered in you too so you don't forget them. I mean, he talked about just looking around, seeing the needs of the people. And he said there was, um, someone had this little glimmer of a vision. I think of Micah, who's going to come up here and share. That was Micah. That was Micah and Audrey. He'll come and share his story in a minute. But just a glimmer of a vision, and then they acted on it. They took an old school that no one was using and changed it. They, did you notice that he talked about the furniture? Didn't you love that part where he said the people that were broken were fixing furniture that was broken, and when the furniture went out, it was mending the people too inside? So simple. You know, you think of that, and you go, oh, now that I could do. He also talked about um, how the people that did this didn't have an education. So that qualifies pretty much anybody sitting here. So you're not out. You, you can't step out now. You're now in. So I'm inviting you in to respond to this. I loved that because for me, that qualified me. I don't have to have this huge education, which was wonderful. Um, he just talked about how, how it has the fingerprints of the gospel all over it. Wasn't that great? So when you think about the things that you guys are getting involved in, and I know there's so many people involved in doing things here, you are like the fingerprints of the gospel. Isn't that a cool way to think of it? Also, he said they got a little nudge one day, and they said we could do something down there maybe. And I love that because we all know that's probably the Holy Spirit in their life, just nudging them on. Um, in 1 John 3, uh, 14, or 17, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity in them, how can the love of God be in that person? And then the next little part says, Dear children. So it's, a, it's an endearing response to you. It's not a pointing the finger. It's saying, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions. Get up and move and in truth. And bring the gospel. Put some fingerprints to it. So I love that verse. Remember when Sean Callahan was here a couple of weeks ago and he spoke on the two greatest commandments, um, which are love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Well, what was the second one? Anybody? Yes, love your neighbor as yourself. Exactly. And so we have to look at who is our neighbor? Like, how do we love when he says that? How do we love our neighbor? Is it just the person living next door to us, or does it look a little bigger than that? And whenever I hear that, I always think of this verse, Acts 1.8, and it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem would be like right here just right here, the people that live around me. In all of Judea and Samaria, that would be maybe a little further out, maybe all of Green Bay, Brown County area. And then to the ends of the earth, and the way I see that is just wherever God is calling us. And right now, our church is focusing on Haiti. And so what I'm going to do this morning is just kind of work backwards a little bit. Instead of reading the verse forward, we're going to go backward. And we're going to look at what it's like to um, reach the ends of the earth. Because someone once said, Sometimes you have to cross the ocean to cross the street. And so what I love about what Micah is going to share this morning is Vapor Ministries that we've been involved in for several years. And he's going to come up and share better than I ever could what Vapor is. And it, hopefully it'll give you a taste and maybe nudge you. Also, while he's sharing, um, 
these little tablets, you can pull them out, and maybe it's something that you need to pray for that Micah mentions, or maybe it's that God will tug on you. So go ahead, why don't you share? Thank you so much. Uh, it's a privilege to be with you here this morning. Um, Vapor has been in a strategic partnership with Green Bay Community for some time now, and part of that partnership um, allows Audrey and I, my wife and I, to come a couple times a year and uh, encourage uh, that partnership with you all and kind of report on some of what's happening uh, through our partnership around the world. So for the next 15 minutes, uh, I'm going to seek to do three things. Uh, one, just give a mission recast, like an overview of kind of what we do as an entity. Um, and, and second, talk specifically about the impact uh, of our partnership um, in the country of Haiti. And then lastly, uh, Trisha asked me to share a little bit about the power of a transformative international experience. And so that's how we plan on using the next uh, 15 minutes. Uh, we as an organization, as Troy kind of alluded to at the beginning of the service, um, we as an organization find ourselves uh, a part, as a, a small part of a greater narrative, a, a larger thing that God has been up to for, for a very long time. We want to make much of him. We want our short lives to, to bring glory to Christ. And we feel we do that well when we share the gospel and show the gospel, when we show his physical compassion and when we share the love of Jesus Christ and the hope that comes through the gospel. But at the end of the day, our lives are short. They're like a vapor. They're here for a moment. We're here for a moment and we vanish away. So we simply want to spend our short lives passionately advancing the kingdom of God. And so we as an entity do that by establishing centers in third world environments. And so I'm going to walk some of that out. What does that look like? Uh, we uh, come along, we go into uh, a third world environment, our slum. We generally buy land or we lease land. We come alongside local indigenous people in the community we make disciples and equip local indigenous folks um, in the process of equipping, which is evangelism, edification, equipping, as in the process of raising up local indigenous folks, we come alongside, and then we actually physically uh, help them build a center in their community. Um, the, center, um, the centers are places from which we then serve the community. And so imagine in the middle of a slum or a third world environment, uh, a kind of a utopian hub. It's like a, a, a dreamland. It's, it's a dream in the middle of a center where, where, where young people are accustomed to um, abject poverty and they have a place to come and play and be served physically, spiritually, and even economically. And these dream centers through partnerships become reality. And so this is a center you all helped us with, and that's a real-time picture from the top of that water tower. Um, and we uh, were able to open this center in the northeastern portion of Haiti in a city called uh, Dallaire. We'll get to some of that uh, later. Um, so as an entity, once we establish these centers, we pursue three main objectives. Uh, first, we intentionally pursue the multiplication of disciples. We use the platform of the sport of choice and, and the influence we have in the community. Indigenous, local people take the love and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, and they pour their lives into local indigenous folks in the community. And disciples are being formed at our centers 
around the world. Second, uh, unashamedly at all of our centers, we try to make much of Christ and show his compassion for the poor through alleviating poverty. And uh, re- there's uh, real-time poverty-alleviating efforts that happen at every center, um, whether it's uh, providing clean drinking water or the disease prevention training that goes on. Um, suffice it to say, um, physical needs of people are met in a way that, that brings glory to Christ. Um, at each of our centers, uh, we uh, aim for those centers to be um, what we call self-sustaining. And the, the short version of that goal is that local people are actually running the centers, so they're staffed out by local indigenous folks, and that through the micro-businesses that we set up in the area, we're able to raise revenue to offset the operating costs of our centers. So right now, globally, uh, by God's grace, we're able to serve our world in, in these places um, where we have centers that are operating and in some places where we're actually in the process of establishing new projects. So I'm going to just kind of hone in for the next few minutes on um, specifically Haiti, the Haiti update portion. Uh, so as I alluded to earlier, uh, in October of, of last year, um, in part because of the partnership with this body and individuals from this body, we were able to open a center in Delaire, Haiti. Now, that center was built in a community of between five and 8,000 people, average, average household income around $700 a year, so very impoverished uh, community. And right now in our disciple-making initiatives and uh, in our sports leagues uh, on the ground there, we have around 1,000 young people participating uh, so we're, we're tending to somewhere between 10 and 20% of the city's population, disciples are being made. So young people come to uh, a beautiful field for them, play the sport they love, and they're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, holistic uh, mentoring, developing is happening in a real-time basis uh, by people that speak the language, drink the water, understand the culture, and love their people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, also in Dallaire, uh, with our poverty alleviating efforts, much happening, more than I could, could say in a few moments, but uh, we were able to initiate the first uh, clean, uh, permanent clean drinking water site in the area. We put in a high-capacity commercial water relief project there, and so young people are coming and finding uh, clean, um, continual water there at the center, uh, in part through the partnership with this church and, and, and others. We've been able to to sponsor many kids' formal education in the city. And so the illiteracy rates are falling um, and opportunity that comes with a formal education is being provided. And then we have uh, multiple micro-businesses that we have initiated there and in other places. And one of those recent projects is we actually are putting in a guest house. Uh, and, and that project is, is coming along well. We also initiated a banana farm. And so we're farmers now. Uh, we, we actually have uh, farms in other centers in other countries, but we're putting in a banana farm there. And so much is happening at that center in Delaire, Haiti. Another project in, on the, con- in the country of Haiti that resources uh, from this church have been used on is uh, a center, the, the constructing, the establishing of a center in a city called Wanamenth, Haiti. Uh, my wife and I had the privilege about four weeks ago to fly over to Haiti and get, we got to open the center um, with the local people there in that city. So I have a very quick clip that kind of shows kind of that, that the culmination, the opening of that particular center. 
That's just a short clip that uh, kind of captures a, a snapshot of what opening day was like four weeks ago as we got to open our fifth center um, in the, around the world, our second center in Haiti. And, and just before we move to kind of our, our last uh, point here, I just want to say on behalf of uh, all of us, our indigenous staff around the world and our, our support staff here in the U.S., all of those involved with Vapor, we just want to say thank you for your partnership, your meaningful partnership that adds value and advances the kingdom of God. So from us to you, thank you so much for your partnership with us at Vapor. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Trisha asked this morning that I spend just a little bit of time talking about the power of a cross-cultural uh, missions trip. And, and, and I think the question uh, that maybe resides in our hearts and heads sometime is, why, why should we go? Why should we go in, in to another country and participate in cross-cultural ministry on a short-term basis? Why should I spend 10 days or 7 days in a foreign context? And I think that that's, that's a good question to ask, especially in light of the fact that your church is trying to mobilize people into a foreign context. And so last night we were talking and Trisha said, can you speak into that question? And so uh, I, I, don't know, um, I don't know what what questions are all in your mind or your hearts or your head, but I, I can just speak uh, for me personally uh, about three things that happen for me as I interact cross-culturally in a foreign context. And so why should we go? First, something that happens for me continually is it recenters our worship or recenters my worship. See, the reality is that the God we serve is the God of the cosmos, the God of the universe. He created all things, and Hebrews says he also sustains all things. He is great. He's greatly to be praised. He's magnificent. He transcends time, space, borders. He transcends language. He is not the God of America. He's the God of the nations, and by God's grace, America is a part of the nations. And there's something powerful and profound to go into a foreign context, to sit under a mango tree and do church there, to go into a foreign context and lock shields, lock arms with other brothers and sisters in Christ who've been redeemed by him and are praising him in their local tongue. You may not understand the language. I oftentimes don't, but it, it's, it's amazing. And, it, and it re, it, for me, it, it, it reminds me of the God we serve and recenters my worship into a holy and just God who's God of the universe. Revelation 7 gives us a picture of one day we will be a part of a giant choir 
a collection of people from every nation, tongue, language, and tribe. We will be surrounded, we will be surrounding Christ around the throne saying, worthy is the lamb. And you and I get to do that now, today, with other peoples, and it's a powerful experience. The second, the second um, reason that, that I may provide for why go, I mean, why take the time to go? Uh, the second reason I may provide is as follows. Uh, for me, it revives my service, or it revives our, our service. What do, what, do we, what do I mean by, by that? I learned so much about how to carry out the Great Commission when I come alongside and learn from brothers and sisters in a foreign context who are walking out the Great Commission. Just, uh, there's so many things that, that we stand to learn from and so many things that I have learned, but I'll just talk about a few. Man, I, I watched Johnston Bukachi and Vinny in, in Gong or, or uh, John Amanasio in Togoville, Togo, and I watched them love their people with a sacrificial love that is truly unique, and I come back and I say, how do, how do I embody that love and love people around me the way they love? I watch them make disciples in community, highly communal societies where they know they're dependent on one another, and I'm reminded that I'm not alone, and I'm not called to be that lone ranger pioneer telling people about Christ, but we're doing that together, and I come back and I say, God, how do I lock shields with people around me and in community do life and advance the kingdom? I'm, I'm, reminded, I'm reminded about how truly dependent I actually am when I see brothers and sisters crying out to a holy God in their unique, difficult situations and depending on him and watching him provide. And I come back and I say, hey, with all the trappings, man, I truly must be dependent on the person of God and I wanna live that way. Third, third, um, uh, third thing that I would share with you, third reason uh, that I would share with you why you may consider going again for me, recenters my worship, revives my service. But lastly, I offer this to you, the third thought I offer to you, reorients my priorities. I don't know about you, but man, sometimes I really get lost in the rat race. And I lose fact of the sight, or I lose sight of the fact <laughs> that I'm actually a steward. I'm not an owner. And that God has entrusted me with stewardship responsibility. He has given me time. He's given me talent. He's given me treasure. He's given me influence. But I'm a steward of that. And I'm not, I'm supposed to function as a steward. And he has provided those things that I may utilize them for the advancement of his kingdom and his purposes. But I get caught in the rat race. I start thinking I need to just spend my life keeping up with the Joneses. And I'll go into a foreign context and I'll see brothers and sisters advancing the kingdom sacrificially and laying their lives in line. And God uses that for me as a wake-up call. And I say, I come home and I say, okay, God, show me how to be an even better steward. I'm not an owner. And it helps reorder my priorities. So I don't know if any of that's helpful for you. I don't know if uh, the Lord is leading you to just take a step across the street or around the world. But what I do know is, is there is great value 
and partnering in what God is doing in the nations. And so as your, tri- as your church rolls out trips, consider uh, potentially doing something that may be unique for you and stepping out of your comfort zone and going into a foreign context. But thank you so much for your kingdom partnership with us at Vapor. Thank you. Yeah, I love Vapor Sports. If you guys get a chance to do that, um, you should go. Uh, Mike and Audrey are going to be in the lobby. Also, Jenny, Jeff, Lee, if you haven't met them, they're out there. They're the ones that are our representatives here at Green Bay Community Church, and they can tell you all about going on a trip. I went a couple years ago to Haiti, and it's awesome to see these pictures because things change so quickly. But for you to experience that, maybe that's something that you need to write on here and just begin to pray about. Okay, so let's move on. The next area would be Judea and Samaria, which is a little closer to home, maybe not quite all the way down in Haiti, but it is closer. So let's take a look at that. Um, Some of the stats for our area here in Green Bay, if I can just go through them really quick. A family of four making about 23,000 a year is considered at poverty level, um, if you didn't know that. Uh, In Green Bay, we're one of the top cities in Wisconsin for home foreclosures. And there are a couple reasons for that. One is lack of housing that's affordable for families that are struggling. Um, Also, jobs that pay well enough for them to make the money to pay the mortgage to keep the house. And so those are two of the things that we fight here in Green Bay, a couple of the things, just so you know that. Um, Also, it's a generational poverty. We're finding now that it's a second, third generation of now kids who've grown up and now are raising children in poverty. And that's just a way of life. And so to move out of that, we've got lots of organizations here in Green Bay that are helping families try to break that cycle, what they would call cycle of poverty in their family, generational poverty. Um, the highest growing segment in Green Bay is, is families with small children. So right now, Freedom House has 120 families that are on a waiting list to get in just to Freedom House. 120 families represent right now about 240 plus kids. So you think about all these families who are struggling and just waiting for an opening at Freedom House and so that they can come in and then move forward. And so those families usually typically, when we say homeless, it means not necessarily on the street, but it could be. It could be staying in local hotels on somebody's couch um, with families or maybe friends and not having a home of their own. It could be that they're staying in one of the shelters. So they're considered homeless if they don't have a place that's called theirs. So that's where, where we're at right now in Green Bay. But I'd love to tell you something about each of these organizations really fast. And what I'd love for you to do is take this out. And I want you to write something down if something hits you. And just begin to, even if it's just pray for these organizations, even if it's just, I'm going to tack that on my fridge, and every time I walk by, I'm going to pray for them. So really quickly, I'd love to spend like an hour on each of them, and if you ever want to hear more about one of them, just grab me, and I'll tell you more about it. St. John's Shelter is a shelter here in Green Bay. Some of you probably heard about it. It's made the news a couple of times. And it's a shelter for single men and women. I love the gal who's running it, Lexi Wood. Her dad is actually here. Um, Jed, why don't you stand up just for a second? 
He's the face that if you guys want to get involved, he loves what's going on there. There right now, two things happening. They're getting ready to open in November. If you have a little bit of time, you can call them, say, I'd love to come down and help you prepare. There's a lot of preparation for it. They're also doing a simulation there, which where you can come in as a volunteer and stay and see what it's like to actually check into a shelter and spend the night. So they're planning that. If you want more info, give them a call. There's a lot of things going on there that I love. One other thing, really fast. There's a mentoring program they're starting. So some of you men, if you have some time where you could go down and just eat a dinner with one of the men there, they'll connect you to one guy and you'll continue to meet with them and start to re-get them back into um, society a little bit, help them transition through that. So if you're interested in that, write it down on here. Okay, Giving Tree. The school district here in Howard Swamico has a pantry. I'm going to try to slow down so you hear me. Um, so they have a pantry here, and they work out of Bayview Middle School, but they've started to partner more with us. And so we're becoming kind of a backup distribution center for their pantry here. So we do have families that come during the month and come and pick up their groceries and things like that, which is really fun because we're able to meet them and, and greet them and just wrap our arms around them with some love. Um, so they're also part of our Christmas store that we do, which is coming up. I hate to say Christmas because it is around the corner, but I'm excited because we get to do the Christmas store. So that's another thing. Lastly, they're going to start to look at partnering and, and partnering with a couple other organizations and use our facility for a resource center, which is really fun because I'll start to get you involved in that and start to pull you in and say, hey, would you be interested in doing this? So you'll probably avoid me for a little while if you don't want to do something because I'll grab you. Um, another one, Freedom House here, and I shared a little bit about what they do. They reach out to families with kids, and they have lots of opportunities for you to get involved. There's meals. You could come and do activities with the kids. You could do a movie night. You could just offer to do some of the child care that they need in order for the parents to take their necessary classes to move then on out of Freedom House and allow another family in. So it just helps them if you come and offer to watch their kids for a bit. Um, Okano Falls Food Pantry is up in Oconto, obviously. And they, what I love about them is that they're a food pantry, first of all, that's run by a whole bunch of um, volunteers that, I, I hate to say this, but they're really on the elderly side, retired, let's say retired. So retired, and they are the funnest group of people. I mean, really, you, you need to go up there at least once and check it out. And they're a food bank that actually serves any families, no matter where they're from, which I love. So they can come, they don't ask questions, and they serve them, which is great. House of Hope is a shelter for pregnant and new moms. All young, if you have a heart for these moms, or if you just like to help, they're doing a lot of building type stuff. So if you guys want to go swing a hammer a little bit, you can check that out. EPH is um, an organization here that we also support financially. They buy homes, they work with Salvation Army, and Salvation Army plants families in there to just get on their feet, um, and they stay for about six to nine months in that home and then move on. Um, SIC is our tutoring program. So we work with three different schools now. We actually started in the Howard Swamico district. We have two elementary schools, so we're working with those little kindergartners all the way up to fourth grade. It's so fun. This week they all went into Howard and we uh, oriented our tutors to their students and it was so fun to watch them. They were great. Do you guys know Charlotte? She's our gal who comes in with a walker and she is working with kindergartners. She was here at the eight o'clock. 
She is so cute. Those kidneyers just loved her. I mean, you can imagine. They just soaked her right up. Um, lastly, House of Zion. Can you two stand up for a second? Okay, you guys need to know these faces. They are awesome. This is Emily and Jorge, and they are doing House of Zion, the Spanish church, down the hall in the afternoons on Sundays. And I'm telling you, we had them at our leadership launch, and they sat in the back with two tables of people from their church. And throughout worship, they are hooping and hollering and praising the Lord, and people are like, who is talking during worship back there? <laughs> it was also so different than what we do here, so we probably could learn a few things. But they are great people. They have hearts for the Hispanic community here in Green Bay. And if you want to get involved in that, it's as easy as walking down the hall. So when you see these two, encourage them. They are um, growing a little church from, I think, 12 you started with families, and now there's up to 75 people, which is about 25 families. So very cool. So thank you. You guys need to definitely get to know them. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that covered Judea and Samaria, and I know I have like less than minus five minutes. Okay, so let's see. I'm just going to jump ahead. So the last one is Jerusalem. Let's just say that Jerusalem is right in your neighborhood. You guys, when I look around at my neighbors, I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know all of them. I know the ones right next door to me, but I don't know the people across from me. And I feel so convicted. Um, me personally, to get to know my neighbors. So when I think of Jerusalem, I think of my neighborhood, and here's what you can do really quickly. Look around you. You need to start right in your own neighborhood. Just look at those neighbors. Make eye contact. Introduce yourself. Repeat their name a few times so you remember it. You know, those kinds of things. I'm telling you that because I have to do it. I'm terrible at remembering names, so if you tell me your name, I'm really sorry if I forget. Um, Listen to them. And I should have put on there, and share your things with them. Meaning, when they share something that's going on in their life, be open. Be ready to share something about you so it doesn't feel like a one-way transaction. If, if they're, you know, you sense that maybe you need to say the words, I'll pray for you on that. And could you pray for me about this? That could be your lead of, you know what, I've got some things, I don't know if you pray, but... I've had some things going on in our family that maybe you could remember us. So those kinds of things. Um, I'm going to skip the next one because you're smart. You know how to do that. The last one is respond to the little nudge. You remember in the video when he said, I got that little nudge and I thought to myself, I could do something about that. Well, that is the Holy Spirit. And what I'd ask you to do, I know you know the needs around your neighborhood. And if you don't, you can. Write them on here. Stick them on your fridge and start to pray. How do you want me to respond to this? How am I responding to this? Not somebody else, but how will I do it? Um, When I woke up this morning, I had a verse on my mind. I was telling Bill Magoon, and uh, it was such a great verse. I kept thinking, okay, Lord, why did you give that to me? Why would you tell me that? And then I realized, I kept thinking, well, how does that fit in what I'm saying up here? And then I realized it was for me. And I thought, oh, that's... (laughs) that's exactly what I needed. And I thought, sometimes we always think, oh, well, that would be great for that person, for Jed. He should do that. That would be great, because I know he's good at that. But what about me? You know, what do I have to do? So I'm asking you as you go to response, like, what is God putting on your heart? Um, We did the little 
exercise where you circle or you look at your neighborhood and stuff. And one of the gals, um, Shelly Peterman, came and shared with Troy that when she did that, she thought, oh, I live in Pulaski. It's all cornfields. Like, who am I going to run into? And what kind of needs would I run into there? There's nobody there. It's all cornfields around my house, is what she's saying. She went jogging that next morning on the trail in Pulaski and ran into a girl who said to her, where am I? And she was very confused. And come to find out, she'd been walking all night on that trail. And Shelly started talking with her and sat down with her and just started taking care of her and helped her get a hold of someone to come and get her. And all of a sudden, the light bulb went on. She said, oh my goodness, that was my neighborhood. That was my Jerusalem. I never thought I would meet someone in Pulaski in the cornfield. And I thought, both Troy and I thought, oh, that's awesome. Because he did it. I mean, he, the exact thing she thought, yeah, he's never going to provide it. So I'm asking you to be open. So I'm going to pray the verse over you that God put on my heart, and we'll move on. Lord, you said to me this morning, if my people, if we, if us here at Green Bay Community Church, who are called by your name, and we are, if we humble ourselves, and we do, Lord, we come before you, and I do, and we seek your face, and we do right here, and we turn from our wicked ways that you'll forgive our sins and you'll heal our land. And I believe that with my whole heart. And so I pray for our response to become action. In your name, amen.